The Bible refers to the Christian life as a race. So what can keep you going when the going gets tough? Here's Pastor Jeff Johnson. We need to get our eyes on the prize, run the race. And, and as they're running, you can see the ribbon coming. And it's getting closer as we're running it. But it's a long-distance race. We need to run with endurance. Don't be a sprinter. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are sprinters. They come right to the Lord and at, at, right at first, and with joy, they want to serve the Lord. And where are they today? A lot of them aren't with us. They were sprinters. They didn't get into the Word. They didn't let the Word get into them. They made an effort, but then they let go. We're not to let go. He'll, he'll never let go of us, so we're not to let go of him. We're to persevere. Your spirit leads me on. And I'm running after you. I'll leave behind the worthless love. And I'm trading them for priceless truth. Great to be with you again. This is Sound Doctrine with Pastor Jeff Johnson. In Matthew chapter 5, we receive eight Beatitudes from Jesus. You might think of these as characteristics or marks of the Christian. And the final one has to do with rejoicing in tribulation. So how's that even possible? Well, we might tend to gravitate towards retaliation and bitterness at such times, but Pastor Jeff will suggest a heavenly mindset that will help you arrive at a Christ-like response. Here's Jeff. these persecutions, these tribulations, is really what matters here and what makes a difference in our lives. To retaliate is very easy. You hit me, I'm going to hit you. That's easy, right? Your flesh gets into that. Because, man, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. And that whole thing, all right? So to retaliate, that's easy. But we're to follow his example. Now you say, well, what's his example? Again, over in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 23. Now, here's the answer to the bully problem of today. You know, the bully just needs to get saved, right? And then he that is being bullied, <laughs> he needs to get saved too, so he can re not retaliate. No, not that he can retaliate, but he can follow Christ's example and do what Jesus said to do. But you can't do it unless you have a connection with heaven. You can't do it unless you're born again. There's no way you can do it. And so he says in 1 Peter 2, in verse 23, Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. He didn't respond. And when he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he committed himself to him that judges righteously. So important. Then we can begin to pray as Jesus prayed for those that nailed him to the cross. It's a dying to self. It's putting on the new man, the new nature that is now in Christ Jesus. And you'll experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is what? 
love, joy, long-suffering, patience, things that we lose it on, you know, in the flesh. We don't have in the flesh. But the Lord has to give us in the fruit of the Spirit. So the wrath of man, the flesh, the Scripture says, does not work the righteousness of God. Nothing is gonna, good going to come out of it when you get in the flesh, when you fight, when you pay back, you know, vengeance is yours, you say, you know, and whatever. That nothing good in the kingdom of God is going to take place. It's against what the Scripture says. It's neither good to be resentful either. I mean, because, man, you know, when somebody keeps picking on you and picking... I used to... I had a guy, I remember, and I was talking to my wife about it the other day, about this guy that always pick on me. He was bigger, stronger, two grades above me. And he, when he'd see me, he'd just pull my hair and pull my hair and hit me in the side. and You know, I just constant. It was just constant. And man, I'd... Oh, one of these days, I'm going to get him, you know, and... I didn't like that guy. I avoided him with everything I had. But every time there was pain involved. And there was a lot of resentment, a lot of anger that is building up. But, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, when you become a Christian, you're like a duck. That the water just rolls off the back, doesn't penetrate, doesn't penetrate, doesn't penetrate. We don't need what the Bible calls the root of bitterness. It'll not only hurt you in your own heart and in your own family, but it becomes like a cloud over you that hurt many around you because you're so resentful. You're so bitter. There's that old saying, don't worry, be happy. Yeah, easy for you to say, you know. Well, but in a way, that's what the Lord is saying to us as Christians. Don't be anxious. Don't get into this. Paul, in chapter 1 of Philippians, he was thrown in prison, and he's writing from that prison, and his feelings were hurt by fellow brothers. I mean, he was left alone. I mean, things were not going real well for Paul. But he arose above those things as he committed himself to God. He was able to rise above that. Over in John's Gospel, chapter 16, and this is in verse 33... John 16, 33, Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Now, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. There's going to be trials and persecution and whatever. But be of good cheer, be encouraged, I have overcome the world. So in me, you can overcome these things. You can rise above these things, like the eagle that rises above the storm. You know, that they that wait upon the Lord will be like this eagle. And then when the storm passes, the eagle comes back down. He misses all of the junk. Isn't that great? The Lord's promise to us is be like that eagle, that you'll be able to do it. And so he'll help us to overcome depression, anger, oppression, or resentment. In fact, we, we as Christians don't even want to go there. That's not the place we want to live in. We don't want to be there. Jesus says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Not just glad, but exceedingly glad. In Acts, of course, we get the history of the church, and they went through a lot. Over in Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, and they says, and they departed, the, the disciples departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. 
And so they rejoiced as they were beaten up. They, they left there and with a good attitude. Everything looked great. And you can't do this unless you are, like I said, born again. And, I might add, filled with the Holy Spirit. It is interesting, I believe, that the Bible teaches that there are two experiences, actually three, that you can have with the Holy Spirit. The one is the convicting presence of the Holy Spirit, convicting you of your sins, that you need to get right with God. Number two is when the Spirit, and you ask Jesus to come into your life, He comes in, and His Spirit comes in to dwell within you, and He's in you. But then there's the upon experience talked about in the book of Acts, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, of course, we know that being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is a command in Ephesians 5, 18, will not only help you to be a witness, but it will give you a good attitude because it goes on to say that praises and, and thanks came out of their heart. They were praising and thanking the Lord continually. Over in, again, Acts chapter 13, when persecution came down upon them, it says in verse 50, the Jews stirred up all the devout Uh, honorable women and the chief men of the city, and they raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they threw them out of their coasts, but they shook off the dust off their feet against them, and they came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So here they are getting kicked out and and being, you know, down upon, and, and but they just took it like, okay, we're leaving, we shared, that's it, we're, you know, Blood's on your hands, not on ours. We shared with you. And they left, and they were filled with joy. And so that's a constant within the history of the church. There was a joy and a gladness that was present with those that were being persecuted and beaten. Remember last week I mentioned Paul and Silas. Talk about guys that were beat up, thrown out into the darkest dungeon. There was no light at all. And they began to worship. They began to pray. They began just to sing praises to God. I don't know what song they sang, but I'm sure it was an up song. And they were just thanking the Lord. How does one get there? By being filled with the Spirit. And, And there's a number of things that we need to keep our minds on, too. And when you do get there, there's a liberty that takes place. Uh... There's a loosing of bondage. Remember Paul and Silas. An earthquake took place and all the jails, everything was open. They just walked out. Remember with the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, there was four then. And nothing burned on them but those things that bound them. So with us, as we go through fiery trials, we're loosed. Deliverance comes. Deliverance of what? Oppression, depression. You know, being bummed out, kicking cans, eating worms, or whatever. Whatever you do when you get mad at the world and everybody. There's there's a binding, there's a bondage in that. He says, I want to set you free from that. So Jesus makes the darkest cave as light. Joy unspeakable, the Bible says, and full of glory. Filled with the Spirit. I love it over in John 15, verse 11. These things, Jesus says, I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy would be full. So there is that fullness of joy that the Lord wants us to enter into, that his joy might remain in us and that our joy would be full. 
That's sort of proof of our Christianity, isn't it? That a Christian is joyful, he's glad, he's up. He's not up and down, up and down, up and down. James talks about that man who's up and down, up and down like a sea. Ooh, I'm getting seasick, you know. And you do. You get sick because you're, you, one minute you, you believe, the next minute you don't. Faith comes by hearing and that of the Word of God. And if your faith is weak, you're not in the Scriptures. God wants to speak to your heart joy and gladness. He wants to give to you His power to overcome the things of the world, to be an overcomer in your life, to lift you up. So no retaliation, no resentment, but joy and gladness. Boy, that's the other side of the coin, isn't it? To be like him. What do you mean, to be like him? Over in uh, Hebrews, in chapter 12, in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy that was set before him. He saw us. He saw, and that was a joyful thing. He, to, for him to just stay on that cross was all right, okay? The Lord was with him. He committed himself to the Lord. The Lord was with him. He was with him there. And he saw what that sacrifice would bring. So like Jesus, in his example, you will be called to sacrifice. What are you going to do in, during the midst of that sacrifice? So why are we to rejoice? And how is this gladness accomplished in us besides being filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, we know this, that we don't rejoice in persecution. And if anybody is rejoicing in the persecution, there's something wrong with them, right? You don't rejoice because in the midst of your persecution, in what's happening. I, can, I think we regret it. We look at it like, oh, man, this is horrible. Do you remember the Pharisees? They rejoiced in being different. You know, we're better. And that's wrong. You don't rejoice because you're different. That's, that's kind of a pride thing. But we grieve over man's inhumane, satanic hatred, and we pity his sinful reaction to Christ. That should be our reaction because of the place he's in, what he's going through. We rejoice and are glad because, hey, Jesus is my Lord. And he's counted me worthy to suffer for him. There's a man, his name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was in Nazi Germany. He was a Lutheran pastor. Right at the end of the war, they took him and they threw him in prison. They took a lot of pastors, especially those that were preaching the gospel, wouldn't preach politics, wouldn't get into the whole thing. They took Dietrich Bonhoeffer and put him in a concentration camp. And Himmler, Himmler himself, right before, two days before the camp was to be delivered by the Allies, had him executed. And as he was in the concentration camp, there's some great writings by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but one of the things that he shared was that that persecution really brings a genuineness to our Christianity. That we are really doing something for Jesus. But then he said that it's sort of a badge of true discipleship. I thought that was interesting, a badge of true discipleship. Now, we know that we're in good company. Jesus already said that. They did it to me, they're going to do it to you. That's in good company, right? And you know, the, the prophets of old who they're in heaven, they're not 
They don't have any regrets. They're not up there in heaven going, I wish I wouldn't have done this. I I could have lived longer or this or whatever. No, they're just rejoicing. They're in the presence of the Lord. They're where we're going. And there's no regrets there. All things are working for the good, even persecution. Because it's then we know we're his kids. And we must be doing something right because we're under attack. When you're not under attack, when all men call you a good guy and think good of you and say, oh, he's such a blessed man, you know, that's when you need to be afraid. (laughs) There's something wrong here. You know, nothing's happening, you know. There's no skirmish. Then the devil's not mad. There's no warfare. He's just kind of taking you and shelving you and saying, be a good boy, be a good boy. You stay right there. Don't go too far. Don't cross this line. No, you don't want to do that. You'll make waves. They might not like you. Hold it. And so all of a sudden, there's nothing going on. You're just kind of cruising through this life. It's a wake-up call, guys. It's going to get harder to cruise. The days are dark. The lines are being drawn. It's getting where you're not going to be able to be lukewarm. You've got to stand up or step down. James says, this is proof of our calling, of our sonship. Another way to look at it is that it's proof that we're like him. We're like him. Over in Philippians, in chapter 1, verse 29, For unto you it is given on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. That's part of just living for the Lord. So rejoice, you're his child. You're like him. And he finishes by saying, your reward is where? In heaven? Jesus, again, points us towards heaven. We're destined and bound for heaven. I'm the possession of the Lord. My end is fixed. It's a finished deal. I'm going to heaven. It's a done deal. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there soon. It's a song we used to sing. We don't sing it enough. Persecution proves that I'm not of this world and that this world is not my home. So heaven is a cause of also our rejoicing and our gladness. As a believer, all that happens to me is governed by God by three things. Number one, who I am. Number two, where I'm going. And number three, knowing what heaven is like. Scripture says, And I have not seen nor an ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. But then it goes on to say, but the Spirit has revealed some things to us. We see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, and we're getting a taste of it right here as we get into the Word, as we allow the Word to get into us. We're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're becoming more heavenly-minded, which, I might add, will cause you to be more earthly good. Very important. I think one of the greatest motivations for looking up, for getting right with the Lord, is heaven or hell. 
It's a choice, right? Here, Jesus uses heaven to cause endurance. The same way that Paul used it in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. Hey, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he has done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. That this is going to happen. We persuade men. I mean, we just... It, it, it's just the, the fear of the Lord, man, the awesomeness of God. And these things are going to happen. It keeps us on. It keeps us going. It keeps us looking up. Paul, writing to young Timothy, said, There is a crown of righteousness laid up for me and for all those who love his appearing. There's a crown waiting for us. And it's going to be well worth it. Great rewards. Jeff, what are you talking about? Rewards. Are we working our way to heaven? I thought it's by grace and grace alone. Well, it is. We don't work our way to heaven. But we're talking here kind of a thing of grace rewards, (laughs) if you will. As a father rewards a son for certain duties. So God is going to reward us for what we've done for Jesus. Isn't that neat? You know, father's proud of his children. You know, and just can't wait to just give them the good stuff. And that's what the judgment seat of Christ is all about. So we need to get our eyes on the prize, run the race. And and as they're running, you can see the ribbon coming. And it's getting closer as we're running it. But it's a long-distance race. We need to run with endurance. Don't be a sprinter. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are sprinters. They come right to the Lord right at first, and with joy they want to serve the Lord. And where are they today? A lot of them aren't with us. They were sprinters. They didn't get into the Word. They didn't let the Word get into them. They made an effort, but then they let go. We're not to let go. He'll he'll never let go of us, so we're not to let go of Him. We're to persevere. This looking for and to Jesus, Peter talks about it in 2 Peter 3. Listen. He says in verse 11 of 2 Peter 3, Seeing then that all these things are going to happen, how should we be living in our, in our life? Then he says in verse 12, looking for and hastening unto the coming day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. The elements shall melt with the fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise, we look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. And then in verse 14, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Eyes on Him, looking up. We rejoice and we are glad because we're going to see Him as He is one of these days. Well, that is the glorious hope for the believer in Christ. One of these days we'll see our Savior face to face. And keeping that at the forefront of our minds will help us endure the persecution and tribulation that we are bound to encounter. Thank you for joining us here for Sound Doctrine. We trust you are encouraged by today's lesson from Pastor Jeff Johnson in Matthew 5. It goes by the title of Rejoicing in Tribulation, and you can hear it again at sounddoctrineradio.org. That's sounddoctrineradio.org. 
We also offer a free app and podcast. Simply search for Sound Doctrine Podcast. And we can also send you a CD copy of this message for a suggested donation of $5 when you call us at 800-353-7553. At Sound Doctrine, we're committed to teaching God's Word verse by verse, but we can't do it alone. You see, we rely on the Lord and the faithful support of our listeners as we come to you day by day. And if you would like to help people all over the world have access to Sound Doctrine, you can make a secure donation at SoundDoctrineRadio.org. While you're at it, you might want to request Pastor Jeff's book, An Exhortation from the Shepherd's Heart. Now, this is a commentary on First and Second Timothy as well as Titus. The Apostle Paul wrote a personal letter to two pastors that he personally instructed, loved, and planted churches with. We have the privilege to read these wonderful exhortations in God's Word. Pastor Jeff wrote this commentary from the perspective of a shepherd with the heart for future pastors. It contains helpful commentary, illustrations, and detailed application as well. Get a copy by going online to sounddoctrineradio.org and then click on the store. Or we can take your request when you call toll-free, 800-353-7553. And please, if you would, include a little extra to help us continue this ministry. We'd be ever so grateful if you did. Sound Doctrine with Pastor Jeff is the presentation of Calvary Chapel Downey. We'll catch you back here next time when we'll return to the Gospel of Matthew. So far, there was-